Well, John said a lot of nice things. I hope I can live up to that. But I appreciate our church here and each one of you here. And I appreciate him having confidence to ask me to stand up here and teach or preach. It's a little different than teaching Sunday school, seems like. It's the same thing, but it's a little different stand behind this pulpit, which I don't feel worthy. But y'all pray for me and pray that I can uh, just say what the Lord has for me to say. Nothing on my own. I wish I could be like Aiden. I could get over here and run around, but I kind of have to hang on to the pulpit. I have to stay right here. I'm not going to be moving around much, so it doesn't matter whether I got a walking mic or this one. I'm going to be right here. But anyway, if y'all take your Bibles this morning, we turn to the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. <clears throat> I've been looking at this all week, trying to get something out of it, and it's, um, it's a good scripture to reading here, but as I thought about it, uh, if I put a title on it, it would be a life to be remembered. You know, in each one of us, whether you know it or not on your journey, you're a life that's going to be remembered either, either for good or for bad. And uh, as I look back over this congregation, I remember when it was just, just this middle part right here, you know, and I could, I could look down here and see Frank and Eleanor sitting there and Jimmy and Abby and, uh, We'd see John and Nellie Campbell sitting back there by where Steve is, and Donald and Margaret sitting back there, and Bessie, and Betty and Red, and Kirby and Estelle sitting there, and Mom and Daddy, and Orrin and Vera. I can just see them all sitting there. You know, and they do make a difference. Uh, it's a life to be remembered. And uh, I would like to think that they had a, a, a impact on myself, or I wouldn't be standing up here this morning, I can promise you that, but that's a life to be remembered, and our generation, we benefited from, from their lives, and the next generation is either going to benefit from our lives, or they're going to miss out because of the way we've lived, and I just pray that the next generation will keep going, if not, one day there'll be no need for the church, and uh, it's a blessing to see as many people here this morning especially when he heard I was going to teach today. I'm just glad you're here. But there's other people who have passed on that uh, I've forgotten, and there's many more that uh, Mary and Rusty, they're still alive, but they're not here. We miss them. We miss all those people. But they had an impact on our lives. You know, and each life makes a difference. And what would be without them today? They certainly made a difference in our generation. You know, so often it's said and done that Will it make a difference when we leave this world? Will it make any difference that I was ever here? And I pray that it would be. I used to tell somebody I'm a funeral singer. <laughs> you know, and I praise the Lord for that. And I kind of think of that sort of a ministry. And it's a wonderful thing when somebody asks you to sing for their funeral. I mean, that's the last thing you can do for somebody on this earth. And, but what, what will they remember you for when you leave this earth? What will they think about you? What will they say about you? You know, it's, like a, it's sort of like a funeral. When you go to a funeral, you've already preached your funeral. You don't have to say a lot of things. People know you by who you are. I appreciate Brother C this morning. A lot he taught on this morning. Had a lot to do with this. The will of God. And where are we? And what are we doing in this life? You know, I've, we've seen way too many funerals lately. There's been a lot of people left this earth. And they preached their funeral while they were here. You know, a lot of times you go to a funeral and they preach the funeral and you say, well, I don't remember being quite like that, you know, but don't. You can't go to a funeral and preach everybody into heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. But this morning, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you got a lot to be thankful for. Praise the Lord for it. 
And uh, I could get emotional over that. I'm, I thank God for what he's done for me, to allow me to be a part of the family of God. That song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, anymore, I'm not just a sinner. I'm, I'm one of God's children. I'm, I'm still a sinner. We all sin. But just to be under the grace of God, thank God for what he's done for us. Well, let's take time to um, read these verses this morning. Mark chapter 14, verse 3 through 9. It says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head, talking about Jesus. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye, ye will, ye may do them good. But me you have not always. And verse 8 is the key verse. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to stand here. Lord, I don't take it lightly. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me of anything that's in my heart. Lord, search my heart. And I would never want to stand here with sin in my life. Lord, I ask you to help me. I pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint me and help me to say only the things I need to say. And I pray that our time here today would be honoring and glorifying to you. And I pray that our worship would be pleasing to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this, the key verse are, she hath done what she could. Something of significance. You know, in this setting, they're having a celebration. And we had one here, around here yesterday. It was an all-day event. And uh, a lot of us were worried, but it was a wonderful thing to see two young people that love Jesus come together, unite, and become one. It's always a blessing to see a good church wedding like that, to do it the right way. But at this celebration that I'm talking about here today, there are some special guests in the house. We see that Jesus is sitting at the head of the table, and Lazarus is sitting there with him. And it hadn't been but just a few days. Lazarus was not there. Lazarus was dead. And uh, Mary and Martha was a little upset with Jesus. Had you been here, he would not have died. But uh, Lazarus is sitting there with him. Jesus raised him up from the dead. You know, isn't that what we are today here as Christians in this church? We need to have a celebration today because Jesus has raised us from death unto life. Anybody that knows Jesus Christ has passed from death unto life. He is here with us today, and we need to celebrate him. And that's what we're here for, to bring honor and glory to his precious name for what he's done for us. You know, the miracle of Jesus in salvation, I'll never get over that, what God has done for me, how that I could be born where I am, to be born in a family that I was born in, to go to a church like this, and come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't take that lightly. I, don't ever take that for granted. If, if you're one of those who love Jesus and have been born again, praise God for what he's done for you. But Mary and Martha, here they are, the sisters of Lazarus, and there are a lot of other guests there. I know that uh, some of the disciples were there. I know that Judas was there. Um, but if you know anything about Martha, she's in the kitchen and she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's fixing up everything and making everything just right and so neat. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need those. We need those kind of people in the church. We need all those. 
But she's getting everything ready. But here's Mary. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's looking into his face. And she's just thanking God, thanking Jesus for what he's done, how he raised her brother from the dead. And she's full of emotion. And she's just so happy that uh, Lazarus is alive. And she loved Jesus. And she's just sitting there. And she gets all caught up into it. Well, she gets up and leaves the room, and she goes to the back room, and she comes out with this box. I don't know what the box looked like, but it says it was a box of ointment, of spikenard, uh, precious uh, perfume, if you would. And she brings it out, and she breaks it, and she pours it on the head of Jesus. And then in another, another instance, she took that, and she, she rubbed his feet and with her hair. And she loved Jesus so much. She wanted to show her appreciation. She gave him everything that she had. This was probably all that she owned in this world. It's something that was very expensive. And uh, some said, what, what is it worth? Well, it was worth like a man or a woman's wages for a year. You know, and that's different for each one of us. Some of us make good wage a year. Some of us don't make quite as much. But it was all that she had, and that's what she made in a year's time. She didn't just crack the lid on it and pour a little bit on Jesus' head and save some for later. It said that she didn't even bother to open the lid. She broke it. And she poured it on Jesus. She gave him everything that she had. Boy, you just think about it. If every one of us here this morning had given Jesus everything that we have, this place would not hold everybody here today. This would be a bigger place. It'd be a greater place because I'm talking to myself this morning. Yeah, I give Jesus a few things. So many times I'm afraid we just give him the leftovers. We need to give him everything. She opened that box and poured out all that she owned, everything she had, Broken and spilled out. She poured it out and gave it to Jesus. You know, we have to ask ourselves, so who is this Who is this woman? For one thing, this was an important event because all four Gospels mention it and they talk about it. But who is this woman, Mary? I mean, the Bible's full of Marys. I get them mixed up a lot of times. I look in there and I think, which, which Mary is this? It was a popular name back then. But this Mary, who was it? I'll tell you who she was. It says that she was the sister of Martha. So that tells me that Martha, she was the dominant one. That's the one everybody knew. You know, when I was a young man or a young boy, uh, some of the older people used to ask me, my daddy, he was a coon hunter, and they said, you coon grows, boy, ain't you? You know, and that's how I was remembered. It wasn't because of something I'd done, but they remembered him because of his life. And that's the way Mary was. Here we see a woman that's not really significant in a lot of things. It says she was Martha's sister. And that's all the Bible, that's all I can get out of when I read the Bible, when I try to find out of what she is. But Martha, she was the dominant one. She was the one that cleaned the house, and everybody knew Martha. She was, she was always on top of everything. Uh, one man said, uh, my wife's a lot like Martha. She said, uh, he said, one night I got up and went to the bathroom. In the middle of the night when I come back, she had already made the bed. I mean, she's just one of those people that she just, she did everything. She always had everything clean and everything just right. But she come out and she said, in one other instance, she said, Jesus, would you tell, tell Mary to come into the kitchen and help me? But what did Jesus say? She has chosen the good things. She has chosen the lasting things, the better things of life. But you know, Mary was not like Martha at all. She was just known as her sister. Probably thinks she's not very important in this world. You know, I look around and aren't a lot of us like that sometimes? We think, you know, I'm not really that important. I can't make much difference. And what goes on in this church. Sure, I can come to church on a Sunday morning. I can sit here and I can do things. But I just don't feel like I'm that significant. I'm not that important. But I'm telling you, we're all part of the body of Christ. And we're all special in God's eyes. 
And he looks at each one of us as a saint once you come to know Jesus Christ. Every one of us, every one of you are important. What's the Bible say? I am the vine, you are the branches. But the branches, you ever cut them, you ever cut a vine off at the bottom? The branches don't do any more good. So anything we have is because of what, what God does for us and what he gives us. He gives us the power to do anything. If you're going to be anything significant and have some lasting value, you're going to have to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and live for him. But she probably had no confidence, but Jesus said she hath done a good work. I'm telling you, anything that you do for Jesus Christ, the Bible says even a glass of water given in my name will not go unnoticed. God notices everything that you do for him, and he's keeping a record. And one day we'll stand before God. As a Christian, we'll have to give an account of all the things that we've done for God. You know, and we're not all on the same level. Uh, some people have more talents. Some people have more gifts. Some people can do things. Mary couldn't do all the things that Martha could do, but Mary's the one that's mentioned here. And uh, she couldn't do everything she could do. And we're not all called to do the same thing. You know, this, just because maybe you can't get up here and do this. I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, I was the most backward, most bashful kid in the world. I wouldn't even go in my granddaddy's house. All the kids being there playing. I'd sit up there and look in the corner of the window because I was so shy and so scared. But God's given me the ability just to be able to stand here and know whether I can do it right. I'm going to be like, uh, like Jesus told about Mary. Don't y'all hold it against me. I've done what I could here today. So when y'all leave here today, don't y'all talk bad about me. Jesus might tell you he did what he could. But I just praise God to be able to do something for God. We all, we all have a, a, some kind of a talent, some kind of a, a, something we can use for God to, uh, to bless him. We all have strengths and talents. But I'm telling you, there's no big shots in the kingdom of God, in this church. Certainly, we have a pastor, and we're thankful for him. And he's done. He's he's answered God's call, and he does what he's supposed to. And we've got teachers, and we've got deacons, and we've got piano players, and singers, and faithful members. We're all not, we're all on the same level. There are no big shots. There's no big shots in heaven. It's just when we get to heaven, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's nothing we've done in ourselves. But 2 Peter 1.3 says, God hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, he's never going to ask you for anything that he hadn't already provided. So don't think that you can't do anything, you can't be used of God. Everybody can be used of God. And this is one of the greatest examples that I can see. He's, here's Mary. Doesn't say anything about her except she's Martha's sister. And then here 2,000 later, years later, we're reading about this. And uh, he said in his word that it would be remembered wherever there's a celebration, wherever that uh, it would not go unheard of. This little simple Mary did something that has lasted all through the ages. You know, the best testimonies I've ever heard in life are just simple people that come to a point in their life and realize that they can't go to heaven. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. They realize that, and they come to Jesus Christ because he paid our debt on the cross and asking for salvation. Confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus. And now they're, sent, they're just sinners saved by the grace of God. But those are some of the best and sweetest testimonies I've ever heard. Just plain, simple people. Maybe some had uh, living in a terrible life of sin and God delivered them out of that. Some are just good people realizing that you can't go to heaven by being good. And the Holy Spirit drew them to salvation. But those are some of the best testimonies I've ever heard. You know, the TV preachers, they like to, they like to bring on the celebrities and uh, the stars and let them give their testimonies. 
But you know, it doesn't do a whole lot for me when I see a man or a woman standing up there singing how great they are and dressed like the world. As C was talking about this morning, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Those don't do a whole lot for me. I mean, they certainly they have talent. And I'm not the judge, and I'm not saying they're not Christians. But I'm telling you what, as Mary did, she broke the box and she poured out all that she had. We need to give everything to Christ. So it's pretty convicting here this morning, I'm telling you, because none of us do what we can for God. I admit it in my own life. But uh, he's never going to ask you to do something. He won't give you the help and, that he's already provided. You know, just th be thankful this morning. You know, something great in a testimony. You know, some people say, well, I couldn't tell anybody how to get, to sa get saved. Well, if you can't tell somebody how to get to Christ, you need to check upon your own self because there's nothing more powerful than a testimony. And I tell some people a lot of times, one of the reasons I come to know Jesus Christ my brother Bobby died when he was 18 in the flood. But in his Bible, he's, he had written in there, saved at the age of 11. Well, I'm sitting in here in a revival service, October, my birthday, and I'm going to be 11 in a few days. And I'm thinking, you know what? I reckon I better get saved or maybe I won't get saved. But that testimony did a lot for me. It helped point me to Jesus and realize the need. I have to come to Jesus Christ. I can't keep putting up with this. I mean, certainly the Holy Spirit drew me, and I could feel it, and I've been doing it all week. But I knew I only had a couple more days, and I wanted to do it before that, that time ran out. But uh, God is so good to us. But Mary, this little lady, no great ability, maybe no great gifts, but we're still talking about her. God can use any one of us. Maybe we can't do what someone else can do. There's a lot of talented people in this world that can do a lot of things. And I admire them for it, and especially when they use those talents for God. Use those gifts. So we ask who Mary is. She's the sister of Jesus, sister of uh, Lazarus and the sister of Martha. John, I'm going to steal one of these waters. It's not a half one, so I'm going to drink out of it. I've had this terrible cough ever since I had that COVID. Maybe to help me. But she was just a sister of Martha's way, way when we saw her. But why... We also ask why. Well, as we read this right here, Jesus says, and I'm going to be leaving you soon. He said, the poor you have with you, the needy, you'll have them with you always. But he said, I will not always be here. So in about a week, Jesus is going to be crucified and buried. He's going to be go to the cross that first Easter morning. But Mary seemed to have knowledge of this, and a lot of the other ones didn't. And uh, the reason I think that she had knowledge of it, because she's made it a habit of sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, I, as I'm getting older now, a lot of things that I hear, Jason, Jesse, they get so aggravated with me. Sometimes you get in a hearse and you got all the other noises. I can't tell. I mean, I hear, the, I hear the noise, but I can't understand what they're saying. But if I get up close to you, I can hear you. Or if I get up close where Mary was, she was looking in the face of Jesus, I can read your lips. I mean, I can still hear a little bit. But, but it's different now. I'm telling you what. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to get quiet so that we can hear what he's got to say for us. He's got a lot to say to each one of us. Well, Mary had this habit of sitting at Jesus' feet. And there was another occasion uh, I remember I read in there. Um, forgot which book it is now. I'm a little bit nervous. But talked about how she told Jesus, tell, Mar tell, tell Mary to get in here. Martha came out. Tell him to come in here and help me. But Luke 10, 42 says, One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken shall not be taken away from her. She chose the good things. And I think we could apply it to our salvation. There's one thing that is needful. That is for you to recognize you're a sinner and come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first thing that's needful. 
And then it says, once you do that, you have chosen the good part. And then I like the last part of it. It says, it cannot be taken away from you. Once you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, don't ever believe that you can lose your salvation. If you do, you're saying that Jesus isn't enough. Him dying on the cross was not enough. He died once for all sins. Once you come to know Jesus Christ, no one would ever want to lose it, but you couldn't lose your salvation if you wanted to because he's promised in his word that you can't lose it. You know, so the one thing is needful, but she has chosen the good part, and it can't be taken away from her. You know, Martha was doing a good service, and again, we need people in the church that will do those kind of good things. People in your home, people are just, you know, they just want to do things for people. They want to give, and they want to pour out all that they have and help you. But, you know, a lot of times I'm afraid that a lot of the good things that we think are good, that God looks at and said, that's, that's not what I wanted. That's not exactly what I wanted. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. You know, a lot of times we settle for the good things instead of the better things, or the best thing. But Mary spent time at the feet of Jesus, and she knew some things. I'm telling you, that's the reason we need to get into Word, and I'm one of the world's worst. I, I'll just be honest with all of you. I hate reading. I mean, I just, I just hate to read, but once you get in the book, you don't want to get out of it. But that's the devil. That's his power. He don't want you in the book. He don't want you to get in that quiet time with God when he can show you things. He can help you and teach you things. But Mary, she was at the foot of Jesus where she could hear the things he had to say. So if you want to do something that's pleasing and something that's satisfying and something that will amount to something in your lifetime, get alone with God and get quiet and let him speak to you through his word. You know, we talk to Jesus through prayer. He talks to us through his word and through thought. You know, a lot of times Jesus speaks to me when I'm just thinking, and you need some meditation time. You need to meditate on the things of God. Get quiet and sit at the feet of Jesus where you can hear some things, and he will show you his will for, for your life. You know, he has a will for every one of us. Don't miss that. Don't come down to the end of the road and be remembered for somebody I think they were saved. They, they, claimed, they, they said they were, and I believe they were. But what did they do for Jesus Christ? And that, that's speaking to me. What am I really doing for God? What is a life? What are you doing with your life? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So we need to have that quiet time. You know, we're living in a noisy world, ain't we? There's it's so, so much going on that you, can't, you just can't hear things or see things like they are anymore. It wants to steal your time from us. And then it's talking about where, not only who or why, but where. Verse 4 and 5, how much was this box of perfume worth? We already looked at that, probably a year's wages. But it says in John 12, says it was Judas Iscariot was the one that was there. He said, why was this, why was this such a waste to pour this out? It should have been sold and given to the poor. But I'm pretty sure we all know about Judas. Out of the 12, there's one devil. And uh, you think about that and... You know, and the rest of them didn't even recognize it. They didn't even recognize it. No word says it in his word. But Judas wanted some more money. He, had, he carried the bag of money. He wanted the money. He was a thief. He was a bad thief. He said, but it could have used, been used for the poor, which would have been a good thing if it was sincere, and that's what he wanted to do with it. But this belonged to Mary, and she wanted to use it to serve her Lord. And she poured every bit of it on him, and she was, I bet she just kept trying to get another drop out of it. And that's the way we ought to be as Christians. There ought to be a few more drops left in us that we can give to Jesus that he would be proud of and he would bless us for. You know, so where did she do this kind act? We see right here that she did it in the face of criticism. And I'm telling you what, if you're not a strong Christian, 
we, we're twice born people living in a once born world and uh, there's going to be a lot of things along the way people's gonna there's go, you're going against the grain and uh, it's going to be lots of resistance so you're going to have to be willing in your lifetime to go against it because a lot of people's going to criticize you you know it's probably even happened in this church I mean let's, let's be honest with you let's say we need to build on a new wing over here and we look at it well the church isn't full we need a new wing. Why do we need a new wing? That's what people say. What do we want to waste that money for? Why do we want to buy another van? Why do we want to buy a tent? Why do we? It's always these why do people in the church. Honestly, I mean, it's some of us, and we've all been guilty. I've thought sometimes, I don't believe we really need that. But I look around here today, and I walk in this building, and I look around all the things that God's blessed with us with on this hill. Hadn't he been good to us? And I'm thankful for people that had a vision, was willing to step out and do a little more. You can't just stay where you are. We either got to go forward or we're going to be going backwards. You're not going to stay right where you are. But Mary was worshiping Jesus, and there were some who criticized. So if you want to have a life that's going to make a difference, and you're going to have a life that's been remembered, you're going to have to go against criticism. Give the criticism over to Jesus. He says, I can take it. I'll bear it for you. Also, give the praise over to Jesus. Don't ever just stand there and somebody says, Good job. You just say, praise the Lord. Thank God that he gave me the ability to just be able to do that. But a week earlier, Mary had, uh, she saw some things. There in verse 8, she says, she did what she could, but she did it when she could. You know, if she had waited a week later, Jesus had been buried. It says some other uh, ladies came there to anoint the body of Jesus, but he had been risen there on, the, on, the, uh, on that first Easter morning. He was gone. He was out of the grave. He no longer was there. But Mary did it the week before. She was anointing him, getting him ready for his burial. And I'm telling you as a church family here today, every one of us have a responsibility to try to get those who are not saved ready for their burial. I'm telling you what, there's coming a day we're all going to die or we're going home in the rapture. One or the other, it's guaranteed. Uh, I heard a preacher talking about a, a girl called him one night in the middle of the night, like 4 o'clock in the morning. And she was hysterical, and she said, Preacher, preacher, my dad's in hell. My dad is in hell. My dad's in hell. And he told her to calm down. Tell me what you're talking about. She said, Preacher, my dad died tonight, and he don't know Jesus Christ. He never did get things right with him. And the preacher said, Yes, he did. He said, I went to see your preacher this past week. He said, I sat down with him, and I told him, not only good people go to heaven, not only bad people go to hell. You got to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You got to give, give it over to Jesus for what he's done for you. And he said at the end of it, he understood the gospel. And I asked him, would he like to pray the sinner's prayer? And he said he prayed it and he meant it unto God. And he said, your dad is in heaven. He said, but if it had been left up to you, your dad would be in hell today. That's a sobering thought, ain't it? Think about it. How many are there that we... People come to our minds, and we don't tell people about them. And one day, they're going to die and go to hell because we didn't teach them or we didn't help them along their way. You know, nobody intends to go to hell. They say, well, one day I'll get saved. I'm going to live like the world for a while, and then I'll get saved. Just like that funeral we went to yesterday, 31 years old. broke my heart to see Billy weeping like he is. But she's a Christian lady. She served God. And she's got healing now, but he needs to find some comfort. And y'all pray for him. But that's all the difference. You know, when you go to a funeral and, you, you know, by people's testimony, you know they've gone on to heaven. It's, it's a sad time, but it's not a, it's not a time when you have no hope. 
We have hope as Christians. But you know, probably one of the largest classes of people in hell today is procrastinators. Yeah, one day I'll, I'll come to know Christ. Yeah, I, I intend on getting things right. I'm going to make it right one day. And then you go down the road and somebody T-bones you and you're gone. You never had, never had not have another chance. We need to be busy. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. So what does it mean to pass the deadline of grace? You know, I think about that sometimes. There's people sitting in this auditorium here and every church in the world today that have heard the Spirit. They've felt the Spirit tug at their hearts, wanting them to get saved. They just keep putting it off and putting it off. You know, God is a gracious God. He's long-suffering. He's full of mercy and truth. And he wants, it's not his will that any should perish, but they all would come to repentance. But one day you'll harden your heart so much that you won't hear that. You won't hear Jesus speaking to you anymore. You won't feel the Holy Spirit drawing you. And no man or woman can come unto Christ except the Spirit of God draw them. So it's not always going to be that way. So if you're here today and you're not saved and you've heard the gospel so many times, get it right today. Don't put it off. I'm telling you, it's real. And then there's another deadline for the backslider. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of times we get backslidden. I've been backslidden. I mean, I've stood in front of a Sunday school teach, backslidden as can be. I'll be honest with you. But you've got to get it right. Get that sin out of your life. There's people today that are born-again Christians, come to know Jesus, live for him a while, and they decide, you know what, I like this sin. I'm going I'm to do this for a while. I'm going to get into this sin. And, I'm, and they like what they're doing. They honestly like it. They get away from God and they get caught up into a sin. And they can cross the deadline. There is a deadline, a sin unto death. You know, I've heard a lot of preachers preaching about different people that they knew. They crossed over the deadline. And God will take you home. He's not going to let you drag his name through the mud, but so long. Get it right before God and don't put it off. But Mary did what she could, when she could. And, you know, she was broken and spilled out. When I think about Jesus... He was broken. His body was beaten. He was broken. He didn't have any broken bones, but they beat him unmercifully. And he poured his blood out for everyone in the whole world. He, poured, he was broken and poured out. And that's what we need to be, just like that alabaster box. We need to be broken and poured out. Every drop, every drop that's in us, we ought to serve our God for that. But you know, I'm afraid a lot of times we, we talk about it and we leave here and we forget about it. But when was the last time you woke up with your pillow wet from the tears that you shed for some lost soul, some wayward child, some mom and dad that you know don't know Jesus Christ, some friend that you know. I'm afraid a lot of times we, we talk about it, but it's not real to us. Tears is a language that God understands. He understands it. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God understands tears. You know, Jesus wept. In John eleven thirty five. I was going to teach on that, I thought. I'll, just, I'll learn my passage this morning. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And that's talking about Lazarus. But I'm telling you, I don't think Jesus really wept for Lazarus at that time because Jesus knew he was going to raise him up. Maybe because of his sisters and the family. He heard over that. But I'm thinking he looked out over the multitude and he saw how many of them wouldn't accept him as the Messiah, as the true God. That's why he wept. And I'm sure he weeps today for many people that know better and won't turn their life over to Jesus Christ. But you know, we all have to leave this old world one day. 
What's it going to be? Are you going to be a life that remembered living for Jesus? Or are you just going to be a life that was remembered? Oh, you might do a lot of great things in this world. I've been here a while and I've done a few things, but that's not the things that's going to matter. Just because I could drive a nail or lay a brick, it's not going to count. I mean, you do it as unto the Lord. Try to do it your best you can do. But what's going to matter when I get to heaven is that my children are there with me. And there's going to be other people that God laid upon my heart and I spoke to them and they're going to be in heaven. That's what's going to count. That's the things that's going to matter. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What is your life? It's just a vapor. We could all sit here today and talk about that. I can remember when I was just little, like these young people. Seemed like yesterday. Now here I am. Y'all like my haircut? I need to get me a haircut for this morning. But I'm telling you, life appeareth for a little while, then it vanisheth away. What are you going to do with it? What are you doing with your life? Are you going to be a life that's remembered for living for Christ? Or are you going to be a life that was wasted? Sure, you can get to heaven. So as by fire, the Bible says. But I would like to be able to have some rewards when I get to heaven so that I could give something back to Jesus. I'd like to lay it at his feet. We need to get our minds on those kind of things. So this morning, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to have Debbie if she would come. And we're going to sing just as I am this morning. But I'm telling you, if you're sitting there this morning and you're away from God and you're in a backslidden condition, get it right. Live for God. We can't, you can't love two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other or you'll hold to the one and despise the other. You can't love God and mammon. Or if you're a lost soul here this morning, yeah, you can fool a lot of people. There's a lot of people been fooled. I fooled a lot of people in my life, different times. But you don't fool Jesus. He sees it all. He knows about your life. If you're not saved this morning, please come to Jesus today. That would be the greatest decision you'd ever make in your lifetime. Just follow the Lord's lead. If you all stand, we're going to sing just as I am this morning.